Hey, everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sonic Web Studios and brought to you by official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, International Warring Author and Mia Molson's The Missing, available on Amazon and paperback Kingdom Book. We're here with a terrific lady who's a retired therapist, writer, climate reality leader, and citizens climate lobbyist, and known as the shadow expert. We'll talk about that. And she's also a former executive editor at um, Jeremy T. Parcher, um, Parcher uh, Publishing and Perk. Practicing uh, teaching and meditation for over 50 years and a multi-war winning author. She's got some, uh, a few books, uh, A Moth of Flame, The Inner Work of Age. We'll talk about her latest, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path, The Dance of Darkness and Light in Our Search for Awakening. And what is a shadow? This new book will be explained no matter the spiritual path we choose We'll eventually encounter our own shadow. We'll find more about that. Live, ladies and gentlemen, of Flight Studios in beautiful downtown Los Angeles, retired therapist, writer, climate reality leader, and citizen climate lobbyist, known as the um, shadow expert and the author of the book, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path, the Dance of Darkness, and Light in Our Search for Awakening. Ladies and gentlemen, multi-talented Connie Swy. Connie, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Mike, how can I live up to that? <laughs> With you being in business for 50 years, it's like, you know, I've got a ways to go, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> so, so we just want to hear about your expertise. You're a retired therapist, writer, climate reality leader, and citizens climate lobbyist, and known as a shadow expert. You're a former executive editor at Jeremy uh, Tarcher Publishing. You're practicing um, teach teaching meditation for 50 plus years, multi-war winning author. You have some books, A Moth of Flame, The Inner Work of Age and more. And we'll talk about your new book, uh, Explain No Matter the Spiritual Path, uh, Choose, Eventually Encounter Our Own Shadow, the book, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path. And before getting to all that, Connie, tell us how you first got started. Okay. So um, I was I began meditation at a very young age of 19. And that happened for many baby boomers, people in my generation, who were sort of in the counterculture and began seeking quite young. Um, and there was a naivete, there was a longing and a wish that once we were spiritual practitioners, everything would be all sweetness and light. And for many of us, what happened was either we discovered some difficult parts of ourselves or we ended up with a teacher or a community that was hypocritical, coercive, or even abusive. Mm -hmm. And today there are hundreds and hundreds of teachers who are acting out their shadows, their dark sides, in the context of spirituality, but there isn't a lot being written about this. Mm -hmm. So my career has been about exploring what Carl Jung, famous psychiatrist, called the shadow. And that's the part of us that's hidden and unacceptable and um, beyond underneath the boundaries of awareness. So we're not it's like a blind spot in our awareness. And so my, my clinical practice was about helping people become aware of their shadows, how they were sabotaging themselves. And then my writing career has been about that. The first book was called Meeting the Shadow. And the second book was called Romancing the Shadow. 
which was more about relationships. Mm. Why do we keep choosing people who are inappropriate? Why do we keep having the same fights over and over again? This is all about the unconscious shadow that sabotages our conscious intentions. And then I wrote a book in, in 2021 about meeting the shadows of age. What happens after midlife as we begin to meet these parts of ourselves that are not appealing or attractive or acceptable to us? And how can we work with that? I called one of them the inner ageist, mm -hmm. which is the way that we internalize ageism against ourselves and feel uncomfortable as we grow old. Um, so I've spanned all these decades now exploring the shadow, and I hadn't really done it in the context of spirituality. And so that's how this book emerged. Um, if you recall, in the 1980s, we all lived through the um, Catholic Church childhood sexual abuse scandals. Mm -hmm. In fact, they're still going on today. There was stuff in the newspaper just this week about a whole new discovery about that. Oh, wow. So in other words, so in other words a lot of things have come out, uh, you know, decades before, even like the 80s or so. Yes, Wow. And this is non-denominational, right? In every tradition, in every lineage, there are um, people who act out in harmful ways. And so I had this question I was kind of carrying around with me. Why are we drawn to charismatic teachers? And was, what is it that we believe or that we feel we will gain from them? Mm -hmm. And how can we understand that, that desire, that motivation in ourselves? And then when it turns dark, why is it so difficult to leave? Why is it so hard to leave a community or a teacher when we recognize that it's no longer healthy? So I was kind of living with those questions for a few years. And because I'm trained in depth psychology, which is about the understanding of the unconscious, I thought I would use that framework to explore our spiritual search. Okay. And, and, and plus, I was just thinking about a couple of things too with um, you talking about the shadow being um, you know, highlighted by, by, by Dr. Young and everything else. Uh, what was that one precise moment that got you interested in researching the shadow? That's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. What happened was my early experience in meditation turned difficult. Um, the community kind of became hypocritical. The teacher, it turned out, was telling us lies. He said he was celibate and he wasn't. Um, and I began to feel more and more uncomfortable. And when I left that community, it was very, it was a painful process. There are people who write about leaving fundamentalist Christianity and what they go through to change their beliefs and to find a sense of belonging again. And that's what I had to go through in my 20s. I lost all my friends when I left the community. And so then I entered Jungian analysis. 
And this analyst introduced me to my own shadow in my dreams. And that's what has kind of launched this career and led me on this path. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and of course, it does take a rather interesting turn as well, too. And um, of course, you know, being drawn to charismatic leaders and um, er everything else. So we'll get more into about uh, meeting the shadow on the spiritual path with one of the other books, Moth of Flame, the inner work of um, age with uh, Connie's wife. But first, listen to the Mike Widener Show at the MikeWidenerShow.com, powered by Soundcraft Studios. Visit online at SonicWebStudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. Sonic Web Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs at below the competition rate. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. It's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at SonicWebStudios.com. Mention the Mike Widener Show. Get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios. Take your image to the next level. Also, time to give an official shout-out to our official sponsor, The Mike Wagner Show, international warring author, Mia Molson-Zia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you'll love Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. Takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is illusion and those you love will be the first go missing. It's available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molson-Zia has garnered great reviews. In Evil of Endorsed by Hubbard celebrities, including Joanna Cassie, Forge Riley, and Manales. So grab your copy today for Goes Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com or for 40 podcast platforms. Heard in 100 countries, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, also Apple Music, Aussie, Podbean, and more as well. Make sure you um subscribe to the Mike Widener Show on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Facebook. Make sure you take us with you on any mobile device and for great gift ideas. Go to Amazon.com, check out the Mike Widener Show podcast, T-shirts, pop sockets, throw pillows, tote bags, hoodies, makes great gifts 24-7. Go to Amazon.com, make sure you check out the Mike Widener Show podcast, and for more great gift ideas like T-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, phone cases, more, and great books like Missing, Once, and Wrinkles, Amazon.com slash me and Molson Zia. Check it out today and support the Mike Widener Show on Anchor FM, PayPal, and the themikewidenershow.com. We're here, retired therapist, writer, climate reality leader, and citizens climate lobbyist um, and author of the book, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path, Connie's Y here on the Mike Widener Show. And before we talk about your other books, The Moth, The Flame, and The Inner Work of Age, um, you, you've actually, um, you know, back to your past work before you've been a writer, um, you, you've been a therapist for quite some time. And um, and also, you know, how did you first get into uh, therapy as well, or being a therapist? You know, how you got started on it? Um, well, let's see. I was working in book publishing and my, the owner of the company decided to sell the company and I decided to go back to graduate school and get my doctorate in psychology. Mm -hmm. So that was in my forties. And so I studied Carl Jung and depth psychology to learn more about the shadow, the unconscious process. And that's how, that's what kind of led me down the road of writing all these books. So the new book is for people who feel some kind of a longing that they can't define. They're yearning. If they're religious, they could say they're yearning for God. If they're not religious, they might just say they're restless for more, more meaning, more gratitude, more contribution. 
And then what begins to happen for some people is they find a clergy person or a teacher and they project onto that person. Projection is an unconscious process by which we attribute to somebody else something that we don't see in ourselves. So if we project our spirituality, we're attributing our own light or our own essence or our own divinity onto the other person. So we might say, that person is so enlightened, I want to be like her. Or that person can do the sacraments and he's closer to God and I want to be like him. And as we give that power over to that other person, we lose something in ourselves. We lose a direct connection to our own essence. And if we get more deeply involved in a, in a church community or a spiritual community of some kind, could be Buddhist or Vedanta or Sufi or Zen, it doesn't matter, or Jewish, um, as we get more involved and we take on the beliefs and we take on the behaviors, what happens is we begin to lose little parts of ourselves. So what we might lose a connection to our own authentic intuition, which might tell us that there's danger here, but we don't recognize it because we're blinded by the devotion. Or we might lose a connection to our own authentic feelings because, you know, you're in this community, you're supposed to be happy, not sad, right? Mm -hmm. and so right. there are all these consequences to joining groups and taking on teachers. Now, they're not all like this. A lot of them allow for authenticity and freedom of choice. But the ones that don't lead us to lose these authentic parts of ourselves. And then if something difficult happens, and I tell the stories in the book of many, many teachers who acted out really harmfully, either verbally abusive, shaming, you know, fear-based teachings, or sexual assault, or sexual coercion, financial coercion, um, you know, teachers who start with tithing and then ended up taking the entire estates of their students because they become greedy. So what is that about? How is that possible? And that's what I wanted to examine here. Mm. And it turns out that many teachers have narcissistic traits. They, are, they become self-centered. Imagine carrying a projection of hundreds of people or even thousands of people who tell you you're the greatest and you can do no wrong. So you should be sitting on a golden throne or you should be immune to the consequences of your actions, right? Or you should have three Rolls Royces. Like teacher, right? <laughs> oh, seriously. oh my gosh! I wouldn't know what to do with those roll, roll, rolls royces. To be honest with you, and and golden thrones, I got tired of it. <laughs> that's what's happened with people. Oh my and gosh! And so there's a 
so then people are so identified with the teacher and the teaching that they can't leave. And mm. in some cases, they can't speak up because they know, like me, they'll lose their friends. They'll lose their identities. They'll feel like they've wasted so much time. They'll lose their meaning. So what do they do? How do they manage this? And so the second part of the book, I call it spiritual shadow work. It's about how to recover from losing yourself in a community, from religious betrayal, from betrayal of trust, from um, religious abuse, whatever we call it, and how to recover our inspiration how do we, we recover our spiritual practices that may work for us, even though the teachings no longer work? And so there's a kind of an arc to the book for people who are just starting out, people who have become disillusioned, and people who want to re-engage with mm. spiritual practice. Okay. And, you know, it's also... Um, Interesting to me that the Me Too movement no, has had a lot of contemporary impact, never really um, extended to the spiritual arena. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of taking a lot of the lessons that we learned from that and moving that into this world. What if the churches and the spiritual communities could now change in the ways that some um universities and and businesses have changed because of me too mm -hmm. and, and do you think the me too movement the practices that they apply like in hollywood in business in politics and everything do you think those exact same principles those exact same actions are going to apply is that going to work in the church and spiritual movement the me too well it's not about exact because these institutions are different and the systemic problems, let's say, in a Tibetan Buddhist community are going to be different from a Hollywood corporation, right? Mm -hmm. or, or in a Jewish community, it's going to be different. But there are some principles that are similar. And one is that the question about consent. So... What came out of Me Too fairly clearly was that if a man has a professional and financial power over a woman, can she really consent to having sex with him? Mm -hmm. If he can destroy her career, does she? can she really consent? Is she free to consent? It's the same thing in a spiritual community. If she believes that a teacher has spiritual um, power over her or religious power. You know, some clergy tell people that if they don't consent, they'll go to hell, mm -hmm. right? Or an Eastern teacher might say, if you don't consent, you'll have bad karma for lifetimes, mm -hmm. right? So that principle of consent is a similar idea to what's gone on in the secular communities. And it's okay. very tricky. It's very nuanced. Can a woman or a man really give consent in those situations? 
Mm -hmm. and, and of course, you talked about earlier, too, like with the, um, you know, the no, this person can't do wrong, can't do wrong and everything else. Is he still held accountable by a board of directors or an executive in a church or an organization like, say, the Catholic Church or within um, the church's elders, deacons and the leadership? And um, also, like, say, within the ECLA or PRCA? And those um, communities as well, can they still be held to that um, standard or has it just been put by the wayside? So it's very individual in different communities. We've seen from the Catholic Church that it hasn't changed much. You know, it continues these payouts, massive payouts. Um, I don't know if there have been any systemic changes inside the church. I really don't know. They haven't changed celibacy. They haven't changed allowing women to be ordained. They haven't changed the big things, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know the inner workings. Um, there are communities that have changed their systems. For example, uh, Zen Center LA went through a big scandal with their, um, their Roshi, who was like 100 years old, and he was having sex with female students. And the whole thing blew, when it came out, it blew up. And the community, people, everybody left, people it fell apart. And a female Roshi came in and she reorganized the teacher-student relationship. She reorganized the communication style among the students. Um, she sort of dropped a lot of hierarchy among men and women. She really, um, took on systemic changes and that community is thriving. And there are examples in the book of communities like that. And also of teachers who've tried to make amends, you know, who've recognized that their behavior was harmful and they've tried to make amends. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's very individual cases. Okay. I was going to get to the part about women taking on um, the new hierarchy and um, and everything else. Do you think that's going to um, still decrease the, um, the, the relations and trying to get things straight? It's like, you know, the typical men. Do you think that's going to, um, you know, make more changes? Do you think be more strict and um, everything well, again, like that? Again, we can't generalize. It's kind of individual. One of the, the you know, the issue of sexism in Western churches, in Jewish communities, as well as in Eastern communities is epidemic. I mean, sexism in um, Asia, where a lot of these Eastern communities come from, they're sort of transplanted from Tibet and China and Japan over here. And so the teachers who grow up in the East are in monastic communities um, they learn, you know, that women are inferior and maybe dangerous and seductive. And then they come here, assuming they're going to be monks for a lifetime. And there's all this autonomy in the women and freedom and sensuality. And so there's this culture war in these communities around sexism. And it, that's not going to change overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not those kind of cultural roots of teachings are not going to change quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's very individual. I think that um, 
you know, in the communities where women are gaining some authority um, and designing systems for their communities, things are beginning to change. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you know, you know, whether they'll help with uh, the, the people or victims recovering from the uh, spiritual abuse or betrayal. And of course, you know, if so, and in your book as well, because it talks about how to recover from spiritual abuse or betrayal. What what is what is the process of um you know the recovery from spiritual abuse or betrayal, even by steps or you know whatsoever like that? So my um, the practice that I taught all these years I call shadow work, and shadow work is learning to work with this unconscious material that I was talking about earlier and make it conscious, have a conscious relationship with it. So the first thing is we need to uncover what it is we projected. What did we attribute to this person? Did we attribute perfection or knowledge, enlightenment or power or compassion? And to begin to work with that and cultivate those qualities in ourselves take them back from the other person and they may be true in the other, you know, they may, the projection may fit, we say in psychology. So some of those traits may be um, authentic in the other person, but if we've given them away, if we've given away our own spiritual power or purpose or um, essence, then we're going to remain dependent. We're going to remain in a childlike position. So the first thing is recognizing what did we give away that belongs to us? Mm -hmm. And then reclaiming the body. The body has a knowledge and a wisdom. And often what happens in these communities is where the body, the the, um, inclinations of the body, of sensuality, of kinesthesia are devalued right? Spirit is good, flesh is evil. And that's pretty universal in in celibate communities. So how do we reconnect to our bodily knowing and become safe and comfortable with it? Um, Reclaiming authentic feelings. I know for me, I lost a full range of feeling in my 20s when I went into this community. I couldn't, didn't connect with anger. I didn't connect with sadness or grief. You know, I had a sense of that everything was going to be all right, no matter what, if I meditated. Because that's what I was told. Mm-hmm. I was even told if I meditated, I would live a long life. <laughs> or yeah. even a million dollars like most people would. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, how do we reclaim that range of feeling that makes us human mm-hmm. and that makes it possible to be authentic and to tell our truth? Mm-hmm. How do we recover our agency, our, our capacity to act in our own behalf? Because that gets lost when we become witnesses of abuse and we don't speak up or if we take on the identity of a victim we can't act in our own behalf or in on behalf of others who are being victimized and so that sense of agency needs to be recovered 
So those are a few examples of the work that um, enables us to kind of come back and center in ourselves and make different kinds of choices about spiritual teachings and spiritual practices that fit who we are now. This is not against religion or spirituality. This is not a black and white, you know, everything is a cult and it's all bad. What I'm saying is let's do it consciously. Let's learn about what happened in the unconscious, what we want to bring back to ourselves, where we might want to speak up about something harmful that's going on, and maybe shift to become a whistleblower. Mm. What does it take to become a whistleblower in a situation of, of religious abuse? Takes a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And certainly does as well, too. And getting back to projection, and uh, of course, that's been the um, main focus. It's like, how, how does how does one avoid uh, projecting, or how does one like you know you know shielding from projection? Well, projection is natural; it's automatic. You and I are projecting onto each other right now. <laughs> so, In a good way. <laughs> yeah. If you go on a date, you instantly project onto someone. You have fantasies. You, you have ideas about who they are without knowing who they are at all. Mm -hmm. And so it's you can't stop projection. But what you can do is you can become more self-aware and what I call cultivate shadow awareness. Become more aware of the part of you that has a blind spot. Mm -hmm. What are you not looking at? What's in the corner there that you're not seeing? And this is important for people in relationships. You know, the, old, the, the cliche about red flags when you're dating. Mm -hmm. So why do you miss the red flags with the spiritual teacher? So this is about learning how to catch a risky person, a narcissistic person, a potentially authoritarian person, how can you see that soon enough to keep yourself out of danger? Mm -hmm. and, and of course, the uh, the examples of blind spots and everything else, maybe just a few. So, you know, listeners, viewers can get some idea of uh, potentially people may just, um, of course, you got the obvious ones, but maybe a few subtle ones, which could spell danger. That's right. And you can begin to catch those cues and save yourself from a lot of hurt. Just like dating the wrong person, you can save yourself from hurt by detecting the cues before they happen. Okay. And and that and that's certainly uh, you know, you know, careful as well, too. And of course, you know, lastly, um, you know, what can readers uh, get from the book as well? Well, I would say that, you know, people who are um, looking for guidance around spirituality or religion, people who are looking for healing um, from a bad clergy person or teacher or community, people who are looking for um, a new orientation to their spiritual lives, I would say elders who are looking 
to complete spiritual unfinished business late in their lives. For example, healing past wounds and, and reconciling with teachers, you know, if they're hanging on to that wound from the past. So this book can give you guidance for all of that. Okay. And where can we find uh, your book at uh, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path and all your other books at, Connie? Well, they're all available online. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Um, I'm sure they're in some bookstores, but I don't know where. <laughs> so wherever you buy your books, you should be able to find them. Okay. We will certainly do that. And what's coming up for author uh, Connie Zweig of uh, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path? We'll find out in just one minute. You listen to The Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com, powered by Soundcraft Studios, and brought to you by official sponsor of The Mike Widener Show, international warring author Mia Molson's The Missing. We'll be back with author Connie Zweig of uh, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path after this time. We're back with author Klein Swag, a retired therapist, writer, climate reality leader, and citizen climate lobbyist, uh, and the author of Meeting the Shadow and the Spiritual Path, um, The Dance of Darkness and Light in Our Search for Waking on the Mike Wagner Show. And um, we and we forgot to touch on about uh, you being a climate reality leader and a citizen climate lobbyist. We forgot about that before um, you know, we close out. Just tell us more about your involvement in that. Well, it's not really relevant to this book, Mike. Um, but I've been active in the climate crisis for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, climate reality is the Al Gore training. So I did that several decades ago. Um, and Citizens Climate Lobby trains people to lobby Congress around um, climate legislation. Um, it's been pretty discouraging for a long time now, what's happening with the climate crisis. Um, I, would, I would say today, the most hopeful thing that's happening that I'm aware of, aside from President Biden's legislation, is um, a group called thirdact.org, which was organized by Bill McKibben, who founded 350.org. Mm -hmm. And the people at Third Act are organizing tens of thousands of us to move our money out of the banks that fund the fossil fuel industry. So the big banks, Chase, City, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America are all heavily invested in fossil fuels and they're funding the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. And so we're engaged in helping people move their money to community banks cut up their credit cards and look for green credit cards, which you can find on greenamerica.org. Mm. And, you know, in that way, um, really have a personal impact by moving your money out of places that are fueling the crisis. Mm -hmm. and, and perhaps uh, encountering their own shadows and trying to, um, you know, um, trying to beat their own shadows at it. So, you know, I'm sure they got shadows in that too. Maybe they can learn from you as well, trying to uh, beat the shadows. So, <laughs> well, um, you know, for a long time, I think the climate crisis was in our collective shadow. There was so much denial, but there's not a lot of denial anymore because it's so evident now. Mm -hmm. it's so, um, it's so imminent. It's so here with us, you know. So I don't view this so much as a shadow issue, although um, 
Although, you know, there are some people who, um, like politicians who refuse to look at it or focus on it um, because of their own vested interests in coal or oil and so on, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of heartbreaking at this point that people would put personal interest over the planetary, the existence of the planet, mm -hmm. kind of shocking that that, you know, in a way we could call that a shadow issue, but mm -hmm. that's not, the psychology of that is a whole kind of different, that's not really what I, what I wrote about. Mm -hmm. And that's rather interesting too, of course, you know, having all these, um, you know, things you're doing as well, too, to make an impact, Connie. And just a couple more things. Uh, what can we expect from you in 2023 and beyond, Connie? Well, my book just came out yesterday, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path. So for me, this year is about doing webinars and interviews about this book. People can go to conniezwag.com and find the links for my events. I'm also going to be organizing groups, study groups of people who are reading the book together. I call it spiritual shadow work groups. So if you're interested, if you check out the book and you would like to read it and discuss it with others, um, you can shoot me an email, conniezweig at gmail.com and put spiritual shadow work group in the subject line and tell me your time zone and i will connect you with other people in your time zone to read the book together hmm. so yeah the last book the inner work of age had hundreds of groups doing this it was really wow. successful and so i'm going to be doing that with this group and i'm hoping some of your listeners will be interested in that and forming community with others who are wrestling with this topic. That is interesting. I like that idea. Base it on time zone. That is a really good idea. I have to tell some of my people that. So Yeah, so they're free. These are free. They're online and they're in your region. So they're easy to organize. Okay, we'll certainly do that as well too. And uh, we'll all get to work on it. And uh, who do you consider biggest influence in your career? My biggest influence? Yes. Um, probably my writing mentor, Marilyn Ferguson, who wrote a book called The Aquarian Conspiracy, and she taught me to write. Yeah. Okay. And what's the best advice you can give to anybody at this point? <laughs> um, well... My advice would be begin some form of self-reflection. So it might be therapy, it might be meditation, it might be um, some other practice that you find that you feel a fit with mm -hmm. and begin to explore who you are more deeply. Mm. Because we are all bottomless beings. We have many levels. We have many dimensions. And um, it's endlessly fascinating when you start looking within and really discovering yourself. Hmm. 
That is a really good advice as well. We'll take that in consideration. Once again, we're with author Connie Zweig, a retired therapist, writer of the book, uh, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path, The Dance of Darkness, Enlighten Our Search for Waking on the Mike Wagner Show. Kind of very big thank you for your time. People been absolutely fantastic. Learned a lot. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Love to have you back once again. What's your website? How do people contact you? Where can people purchase or check out your books? So you can find my events on Connie'sWide.com. I have a four-part course on shadow work coming up, if that interests you. Um, my books are online at all the online bookstores. And if you're interested in reading the new book with others, you can shoot me an email, Connie'sWide at gmail.com, and tell me in the subject line that you want a group. We Thanks, will Mike. We'll certainly do that as well. And Connie, once again, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely amazing. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Love to have you back. Wish you all the best. And Connie, you definitely have a great future ahead. Thank you.